0: And welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. I can't say this is the return. This is a return of sorts. I can also say that this is a decent bridge between the end of Season 1 and what will be coming up in Season 2, which, to some extent, I'm still working through in my head, but it's not far away, I promise you guys. You know, a fair bit's happened. Who would have thought Sonny Edwards would be going at me? Um, (laughs) It's... It's disappointing for a start because that's honest, I don't have that much to do with Sonny Edwards. He's, how do you describe Sonny Edwards? Remember that old English sheepdog from the Dulux advert? You used to just run around looking dopey as shit. That dog's bigger than Sonny Edwards. You know, I can't really engage with a guy who was 46 kilos as a teenager and is 51 kilos as a grown man. Like, when's puberty going to hit? Do you know what I mean? Imagine that. You're in a relationship and your partner's looking at the dog and going, I trust that dog to look after me more than I trust you to. That dog probably provides more than you do. But in In essence, it was was an unwarranted attack. But it was all right because it did absolutely nothing. Like, you know, when you buy your followers on Twitter, what tends to happen is you assume you have more reach than you do. Sonny's just a little guy little baby. That's what he is. He's a little baby. He's, if Frank Warren had a handbag, if Frank Warren had a Michael Kors handbag and he unzipped it, Sonny Edwards would pop up with his little furry ears and his little teeth and Frank would just stroke him and put him back in the bag and zip it up. You know, he is, you see, in boxing terms, he's a teacup dog. So it's not really worth addressing that too much other than to say, keep talking about me. I never hide who I am. As I say to people all the time, I tell you where I'm going to be. If someone's got a problem with me, they can always come and see me. It hasn't happened yet, which tells me maybe I'm doing a lot of the right things. But let's not let the, the immature behavior of a struggling boxer really distract from where we're at as a sport. Because we're in a really interesting time. It feels a bit scary. It also feels a bit exciting. But boxing is now having to face the demons it's hidden from for a long time and i think the covid crisis has accelerated that process so just while i've been watching the sport from a distance the things that worry me are from a uk perspective there's no talent pipeline you know i look at i look at boxing now i talk to my friends in the sport and i say of all the people that don't have promotional contracts who are you most excited by In the old days, you could name 10 people comfortably. You know, go back four years ago and you are talking about, you know, people you'd be excited to see in the pros were guys like, I'm trying to think back, Andre Sterling, Zach Chelly was around at that time, Dan Aziz. These are all guys you'd be excited to see perform. Look, I think Sonny Edwards was floating around at that time as well. There, there, There are loads of people you could name, right? And you fast forward to 2020 and all you're stuck with are the Olympians and you're not really looking around the scene and saying who's the next up-and-coming star. You're not looking and you're not saying British boxing's in good health for a long time. That 2016 was a cutoff point in terms of having a cohort of talent and I'm going to put Daniel Dubois in that mix because he came up with those guys. That was the last really good generation and I say that because I know those guys really, really well. We all, we all kind of cut our teeth at the same time. And there hasn't been that same level of quality since. Now, why is that? Um, it's no coincidence that in the last decade, we've lost a lot of really experienced trainers. A lot of guys have stepped back because they're old now. Some have gone and retired elsewhere. And that love of fundamentals... That love of the basics, that love of skillful coaching is gone. And into the gap have come, as Chris Eubanks Sr. will call them, some P.E. teachers. That's what you have now. You have a lot of P.E. teachers teaching people how to box. But they haven't done the years. I don't care where you do your years. They haven't done the years to understand what works and what doesn't work. They haven't paid dues. So kids are coming out the amateur system. Rubbish average, mostly below average. And then they're turning pro because any promoter will give them a deal if they can sell tickets. So you get this this downward spiral towards the bottom where you're looking and you're saying there isn't really going to be a sport by 2025 because the grassroots are dying and no one's doing anything to revive them. What brought this into sharp focus was the demise of Nemesis ABC, um, run by the Pettit family, and it was out of the Europa gym in Crayford, and you know, produced some wonderful boxers. There's a kid there called Dennis Oshijo, brilliant. Um, young Joe Bellamy, who was David Hayes' cousin, super skillful boxer who then came to the lodge. Um, obviously, the Pettit kids, Jake, Lewis, they were there. Um, I know Sam Mullins took Louis Lynn and Ellie Scotney over there. But they produced, and here's why Nemesis were really good. Nemesis produced a lot of schoolboy and junior champions. So you understand, in British boxing, the greatest indicator of whether you'll be a British champion is whether you won a schoolboy title. Ignore the senior ABAs, park that off for a while. If you win the schoolboys, you are likely to be a British champion. If you win the schoolboys multiple times, you're likely to be a world champion. So clubs like Nemesis, Rumbles, Pinewood Star and all the other clubs who take kids up and down the country. You include Repton in that. They take kids up and down the country fighting in these tournaments and they're the guys who nurture the future talent. It's why I've got a lot of respect for guys like Charlie Rumble Sr., Billy Rumble, um, the guys at Pinewood Star, even the guys at Guildford, you know, the Pettit family, obviously, um, what Grantie does for us at the Lodge, because they're taking these kids and they're turning them into super talented fighters. That's really hard. But these guys are all drifting away. So Nemesis is shut down. They're the first ones to be honest to say we can't afford to keep going. And the lockdown has made us realize there's more to life. That's the first important thing. So the lifeblood is dying from that perspective. Guys are just saying, I've got other things to do. So you've got a lack of coaching, clubs shutting down, definitely London and the Southeast, because there's no money coming in. Thirdly, the culture within boxing has become really toxic. So trainers stealing fighters off each other. You've got these young kids now, because they're having their heads turned in so many different directions, now it's acceptable for an amateur to be training in six or seven different gyms. Whereas before you had one trainer who you trusted implicitly. And that's how you grew and that's how you developed. I was talking to a guy I used to train, and I said to him, it's better to be consistent with a mediocre trainer than it is to be inconsistent with a good trainer. It is that simple. It's consistency that gets you over the line. Liam Cameron, Chris Medley is a prime example. And so you're losing all of this. Now, as fans, why should you care? You should care because if you want to be cheering on British talent, you should be be saying this now, right? Where's the next Tyson Fury? Where's the next Billy Joe Saunders? Where's the next Carl Frampton? Where are they? Where's the next Anthony Joshua? They aren't there. We're so far away from having people of that quality because we don't have the quality of trainer that we had back then. You have a few of them still around, but they're losing interest because... The kids are losing interest. No one wants to put in the work anymore. And I've seen this during this lockdown. None of these kids have wanted to work on their craft. Where you're saying to people, listen, come and train with me and a few guys. Nah, nah, nah. If there's no fights, I'm not training. But don't you want to perfect your skills? Nah, I don't want to perfect my skills. If I'm not fighting, what's the point? I may as well just chill in the sun. That's what's polluting amateur boxing right now. What's also polluting amateur boxing are these people with the five-year plan to get in and get out straight into the pros without really wanting to learn their craft. And all of these things are happening at a time when the money going into boxing is less and less, and that's reflected in a phone call that I had earlier today. And if you look at boxing from a broadcaster's perspective, if you look at the zone, the zone are in trouble. You know this post-COVID economy is probably the wrong time to be looking for, you know, 500 million or whatever it is they're looking for to fund the next phase of expansion. And especially when you've tried to make a go of boxing and it hasn't quite worked out. And I know this because I had a phone call from someone at DAZN. So I think I've said this before. Their offices aren't too far from me. So there are a few guys that I know a, socially, I don't really reveal too much about what I do. But I know I'm socially. So we had a quick conversation. And if you want to summarise Dazone's two years in boxing, it is this. They thought they were getting a silk purse, and they got a sow's ear. And I think what they realised is boxing doesn't do silk purses. Much like Sky have grown to realise. You know, One of the things Porky always says to me is this. You got Froch versus Bute on regular Sky TV. That wasn't pay-per-view. Now imagine what would have to be pay-per-view if Froch v Bute is standard. So you're talking Froch v Groves. If you look at what's now classed as pay-per-view, the fans don't care. I like Dillian. I like Povetkin as a fighter. Dillian versus Povetkin does nothing for me because it doesn't mean anything. Dillian's waiting for his shot, Povetkin's had his shot and is now selling his name on a, on a mini-matchroom tour. Doesn't really excite me. Cheesewood versus Eggington does nothing for me. I like Lyndon Arthur, so when I saw Lyndon Arthur on BT Sport, I was happy that he got to headline, I think he's a super talent, but I don't know where he's going. So where's the you know and, and it's these things as fans where we're like we want to get excited but just tell me where Lyndon Arthur's going is he going to fight Joshua Bartzi next I don't think Hearn would do that. Is he going to fight Yard next? Okay, but we know that there's a there's a gap in class and experience between those two. So that's not selling it to me. And so to summarize the call I had. The zone challenge is, how can we get educated enough about boxing so that we know when we're being bullshitted? Part of the expression, I know if you're a cab driver, I didn't really mean to swear. But we need to understand, when are the promoters selling us a lie? I genuinely believe the problems we have in boxing are that TV execs don't have the knowledge and don't have the confidence to make things happen. The ideal world post-COVID for boxing is this. The TV execs sit down, round a table, not the promoters, and they say, "Here are the fifty best fights that can happen right now." You'll have Teofimo Lopez against Loma, Mike Danny Garcia versus uh, what you call him, Errol Spence. You might have Thurman versus someone, maybe a Kel Brook. You might have Crawford versus someone. You know, maybe a Josh Taylor, or even Josh Taylor versus one of the guys at 140. But you drop a list of 50. Joshua Fury's on there. Um, maybe White V, the winner of Usyk and Chisor. There are a number of fights you can draw up there. And then you just carve them up. And you say, we're going to do pay-per-view shows, right? There are going to be 10 pay-per-view shows. That these 50 bouts, we're going to give every pay-per-view at least four of these bouts. And then we'll fill the rest with whoever we're trying to build up next. We're going to charge the fans a little bit more. But at least you know you're getting the fights you want. That's how you make money. Football shows that fans will never get bored of seeing people they support play people they don't necessarily support over and over again. That's why we can watch Man United play Wolves four times in a season. We have no issue with that. Boxing hasn't learned this yet. And I think... That's the message the Zone needs to start embracing, is that just work out the 50 best fights that can happen. And fans will tell you, don't worry, you'll find out. Work with the other TV execs to schedule those over the course of a year. Even if it's one a month, if you're telling me that we're getting four top quality fights against I mean, pound for pound guys, we'll all pay for that. But you know what's going to happen, because this doesn't help the promoters. The promoters want to hold everyone to ransom. They hold the fighters to ransom. So what do they say? Oh, you're not going to get the purse that you would have got a year ago, because times are hard. What do they say to the TV company? You've got to give me more money to make these fights happen. And somewhere in the middle, they're making their profit. So that's another reason why boxing's slowly dying, as well as that the fans have just been treated as a piggy bank. And if you're listening to this, and you feel that's been you, It's time to make a stand. We survived three solid months without boxing. We can survive a year without boxing. Life goes on. We go for walks by the river. You know, we play sport with our kids. We spend more time with our family. We do the things that are really important. Boxing's not that important. Sky have similar problems. Sky, from what I can understand, strategically don't know what to do. Their whole thing is, what's Hearn going to do? In fact... They're moving to a point of, maybe we don't care what Hearn does. What do we want to do? Because I think Sky have sussed it out pretty quickly over this lockdown. British fans will tune in for domestic dust-ups. Simple as, that was the Sky formula before Eddie Hearn. And if we're being brutally honest, Hearn has struggled to bring us big-time boxing. And what I mean by that is... He hasn't intentionally delivered fights. And people say, but he gave us Froch v. Groves. No, Groves gave us Froch v. Groves. That fight was an irritant when they were talking about trying to fight other people. They were still talking about the Golovkin fight at that point. Groves was an irritation. Groves got in the way. It just so happened that George Groves was probably the greatest marketer that British boxing has seen in a generation. And everyone made money. And then what else? Brook versus Golovkin, mismatch from hell. Joshua versus Klitschko. You can sell an event to a certain extent, and you can spend all that marketing money, but the ultimately, we weren't getting the top quality guys here in meaningful fights. That's the problem. And I know people say Lomachenko came over, fine, but look, well, we've had Tank Davis come here and fight. What was oh, it, Liam Walsh? He fought. So we've had these moments before, but we don't get them consistently enough because deep down, the Americans realize there's no money here. That's why Eddie went to America. That's why he went to America and told you pay-per-view was dead. But now we realize he didn't mean that because he'd now quite like to see DAZN invest in a pay-per-view capability. Why? For the reason everyone else has pay-per-view. It's the only way you find out what the fans really want. So you look at that, you play it off against BT not seeing sport as a good strategic fit for his business, because essentially BT is just a wholesale comms business. It's a B2B business. This whole business-to-consumer thing that it's trying to get into hasn't worked out. If they could find a buyer for their assets, they'd be shot of sport in a heartbeat. They don't need it. And so it comes back to the point. Boxing's slowly dying. And we've all watched it happen. We've all sat and watched it happen. We've, we've lost confidence. Our expectations for what a good fighter is have fallen. Our expectations of what a good fighter is have fallen. And we've allowed it to happen. We got conned. We got conned by the online platforms, the YouTube channels, with their mythical numbers telling us boxing was booming. Just think about this, and I think I said this on one of my podcasts before I broke for the summer. You can't name much boxing content that got you excited during the lockdown. There wasn't anything. And so, what you've seen since hasn't really got you excited either. That's another worry. Every other sport seems to have built up a level of interest, a level of excitement and fan engagement, except for boxing. Because they refuse to give us what we want. And we should refuse to spend money until they give us what we want. So into all of this, I just took some time out and laid low, enjoyed whatever lovely weather we had, hung up with friends, spent time with family, and just centered myself again. And I asked myself, what's boxing really about to me? I've worked with some great guys in the pro ranks and this, that, and the other. i worked with some great guys in the amateurs. I think only two things really excite me in boxing, if I'm being really honest with you. One is training fighters. Two is what I'm doing now. And I always go back to the beginning of my time at the New Age Boxing Podcast with Martin and Andy. Who, actually, by the way, shout out to Martin Theobald for the lockdown weight loss. He's he's like that big Mexican woman who, who fought Franchon Cruz, who started out as a heavyweight and came down to super mid. He's honestly walking around now, of super mid. I, th- I definitely think Steve could get him a four-rounder, but there'd be no fans there, but he could get him a four-rounder. And kudos to him, kudos to him for setting up a veterans football team. Um, I love stories like that, where someone's just taking the initiative. This is what Martin does. Martin's really good at just making stuff happen. So kudos to him. Um, proud. Sounds patronising, but I am really proud of him. I'm happy for him. Um, Andy as well, who's now turned our former recording room into some kind of family room. I mean, the sooner he has kids, the better. But those guys, they're great guys. Absolutely great guys. And I remember when we did the New Age Boxing podcast, and there there was a phase where we just wanted to rail against the system. We had an audience... Let's kick lumps out of the people who have annoyed us in boxing. And we had fun doing that. And if you look at the golden period of the New Age Boxing Podcast, it was when we just gave the fans the truth and said, look, Mm -hmm. this is what's happening. You go and ask these guys the questions. You form your own opinions and you decide what you want to say and what you want to do. That was us at our best. The way Martin absolutely savaged StubHub. Brilliant. Maybe the way I went after the, the whole drugs thing. There's stuff that we did on the New Age Boxing Podcast that we pushed the boat out. How many boxing podcasts have done live shows and sold out since we did it? Not so easy. You know? There are guys out there still grinding like pep talk. So shouts out to the pep talk guys and keep doing your thing. I love the fact that they can keep going. They're out there doing their thing. And so I started to look and I said, What is it that I do that's different? I don't know. I can break down a fight from a technical perspective and a psychological perspective. Yeah, cool. I can tell you what's going on. I can give you a news update. I can talk about the past. But there are other guys doing that just as well. Um, The Last Round podcast, they do their thing. BTR, they definitely do their thing. And they've evolved their product now it's a far wider product set because you know you've seen them get more and more involved in boxing and immersing themselves deep into the science and they've found their niche. I've done all of that and I'll jump in and do it every so often because I can do it. You know every day I'm thinking about this sort of stuff because really my lane in boxing is pretty simple. Give me a fighter from zero, I'll give you a champion. Give me an interesting project, I'll give you an amazing outcome. But there's another layer to that, which is I'm interested in fighters. And I and I And I'm just thinking out loud here, but maybe the future of what I do podcast-wise is still having all of that energy of all the stuff I've talked about before. The anti-establishment stuff, the wanting to educate fans stuff, the wanting to talk tactics stuff. But it's also wanting to understand the people involved in the sport. So if you look at season one, I had very few guests, and that was conscious. No disrespect to the guests. I was still carrying the numbers. So if you look at when I had guests on versus when I didn't, there's not really much of a delta between them. But that's very selfish of me, and I realise this in my time away. It's very selfish for me to think about, oh, well, I'm carrying this show. It's very arrogant of me. What I should be doing is opening up this platform to people who I think have an interesting story to share. And then it's entirely on me to make sure that you, the boxing fans, can connect to that story. You can relate to it. And you can fall in love with it. Who does that that look like? I have no idea who that looks like. Would it be Eddie Hearn? (laughs) Would it be Coogan? Maybe. Would it be Rob Tebbett? Hmm... Can you imagine that? It could be. Anyone. It could be anyone because it's about the story. And I think I got a bit stale doing what I was doing. And I know people have backed me to the hilt and I love you and I'm so grateful for that. But it felt a bit stale. And it's got to move forward without forgetting what got me here. And so I think the evolution of this podcast, is to to keep some of that stuff that I love. So when there's an issue I really have to say something about, I'll do it. So if you go back to the New Age boxing days, when I used to tell people, Joshua doesn't have a contract with Hearn. He has a contract with Sky. Sky will determine what Joshua ultimately does. And they get a cut of the money that Joshua makes. And people said I was crazy. Until Dazone came to the UK and people said... Who's going to show the Joshua fights? And they told you, Joshua has a contract with Sky. There you go. Not that Matcham have a contract with Sky. Joshua has a contract with Sky. And that's the reality. We expose the fact that Hearn is a highly paid mouthpiece. He's not really a stakeholder in a lot of these careers. That's why he treats people like pieces of meat. He'll just do what makes the most money. We expose all of this. So when it comes down to those sort of single issues, I'm all over that. If you want to talk about what happened in boxing in terms of here's the news and views in boxing, catch me on Porky's channel. I'll do do it with Russ. You know, I'm happy to do that with Russ. Because I know Russ is passionate about that sort of thing. I am more into the to the science. Like you saw with the Larry episode about drugs. I'm more into the science and the depth of it. You know, I want to get Larry back on because we spoke about one thing, but when you hear Larry talk, you get the impression Larry can talk about a lot more. So I'd like to get him back on. There are other boxes I'd like to get on. I'd like to get Umar on and we would plan to do it after he did the Lerone fight, but that seems to be dragging out a bit. You know, no idea why Lerone's swerving the fight, but look, whenever it happens, Umar Sadiq wins. And I like Lerone, but Umar's had that taste of defeat now and I think he he understands that it's it's kill or be killed in this game. So, you know, him... I like Zach Chelley. Zach Chelley's an interesting character. Um, Hey, I might even just get Jermaine Brown. You know, keep that Lodge connection. Adam Martin, I think he's an interesting character. Really, (laughs) if ever you want to know the power of having good relationships in boxing, if you look... Sorry, Adam. Adam Martin went from training fighters in Fight for Peace. Not Fight for Peace. Ah, Fight for Change by Black Prince Road and Lillian Bayliss. And now he has his own ring at the Adam Booth gym because he kept good relations with those guys and he demonstrated himself to be a really good coach. So I wouldn't mind getting him on over time. Maybe Eddie Lamb as well. I just want to get people on who you guys get to see and you have general goodwill towards, but you've never really understood the story. And actually, to be honest with you, I don't know half of their story. So I get a chance to find stuff out myself. You know, I also want to get more female boxing personalities involved it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a televised fighter you might be a really good amateur and you've parlayed yourself into something else I just want to I want to represent the breadth of the sport and not just the stuff you see on TV because someone has to keep the boxing culture alive the one thing I can guarantee you is it's not boring just think back to the two interviews Tris Dixon did with Richard Towers compelling absolutely compelling that's what boxing does at its best. It gives you moments like that. Let's try and get more of those without necessarily having the tristics and journalistic approach. I want to talk. I also want to hear the other person talk. And I believe my audience want me to talk and they want, they want to hear you. Know, I have to give a bit of myself to this. Or it's thoroughly meaningless. Look, You know, we've watched Tris Dixon go through somewhat of a a crisis. I don't know what's happening with the divorce and whatnot, you know, the move to Patreon and so forth. I wish him the best. I genuinely do. I have nothing against Tris. But this is stuff that we weren't seeing in the podcast in a way that maybe we should have done. And maybe we could have connected with him on a deeper level. But in summary, I'm still thinking it through in my head. The podcast won't die. It will change but it will still feel familiar. I'm just hoping, of, hoping above all else, that I can give you something that's bigger than boxing. That's, that's how I look at it. Something that you could give to your nan and your nan would want to know. Your brother would want to know, even if he's just a football fan. Just that ability to have an appeal that's outside of the the hardcore boxing market, not to forget those guys, because, you know, deep down, I'm still one of those guys, but I'm many more things, as are most people who listen to this, and it's just about reflecting that, and I think I still need to get my head down and think about that, I'll probably do that on holiday, so if you listen to this, and you're a trainer, you're a manager, you're a promoter, and you think you have someone who's got a compelling story, and what I mean by compelling is this, it's two elements. One, you've done interesting things up until this point. But two, you have opinions on things that aren't necessarily just boxing. That's where we need to get it to. You know, that's how you reveal your personality. It's very difficult when you're a contracted fighter. But if they can do it in other sports, I don't see why we can't do it in boxing. So I think that's just a quick roundabout you know, discussion about you know, what's been happening since I last spoke to you guys it will be back it won't be that long i just need to get my my thoughts together start you know talking to people about getting some content made and then bam we're going to do something special so the same thing i ask of you stick with it let's keep that loyalty and that love going but let's broaden the footprint now yeah you know, this has to become the the voice this has to become the platform where you can hear the truth and you can hear what's real in box. So this has to become that platform. Especially at this pivotal time. This is the time that, you know, I've been predicting for a while, the, t- the time of reckoning. And I don't want to be the guy that said I told you, so I really don't. But I do want to be the guy who's there as part of the solution. Now, I am going to jump out because the thermometer or the thermostat in this room is telling me it's 32.5 degrees and I'm soaked through with sweat, and I'm out of here. Listen, have a great day, and, you know, just stay tuned, you know. We'll be coming back, bigger and stronger, and definitely with more energy, so take care, guys.